Welcome to the Authentic and Unapologetic Podcast. My name is Chloe Taylor, and I created this podcast to inspire you to live a life empowered and standing tall in your own authenticity. Because when you do this, you give everyone around you the courage and the strength to do the same. So get cozy and join me as I share my journey and guide you to living your best, most authentic life unapologetically. Hello, friends, and welcome back, whether you are watching the video or listening to the podcast. If you are on the podcast, link is down below for the video. If you're on the video, link is down below for the podcast. So however you would like to listen to today's episode, don't hesitate to go wherever you got to go. But today we are going to be talking about how you can change your life and do it effectively. And I've kind of covered topics like this before online. Um, I will try to find a video where I talked about, um, if I find it, I'll also link it down below for all of y'all's, but um, where I talk about basically kind of the the rewiring in the brain that it takes to make effective change happen. So the first thing, and there are a few things we're going to go through. The first thing is you want to get clear on your goals. And this I feel like is so boring <laughs> and it's been done to death and said to death, but it's the truth. If you don't know what you're actually trying to aim towards, what is even the point of what you're trying to do? If you don't have at least an idea of where you're trying to go, whether that is a body goal that you're trying to hit, a habit goal, a workout goal, a, um, you know, maybe you want to start going to bed earlier. You want to go to bed, go to bed earlier, get up earlier. You want to start journaling more, reading more, writing more, uh, whatever that might be, because here's the thing. The you that is you, that will be you six months from now, is already you. But the you right now has to make the decisions, has to come up with the this like plan of who you see yourself as. And it's that daily and sometimes weekly, but I would say daily practice of linking up with that version of yourself that you desire to become. Because you're already that person. And this could get a little bit um, out there for some people that are not into like energy and stuff. But it is my personal belief that we live in a quantum reality. We have um, different, um, there are different What's the word I'm looking for? It's not quantum. It's there are just different realities that are constantly going on around us. We also exist multi-dimensions. There it is. We are multi-dimensional beings having a physical experience. So the idea that you have up here of the person that you want to become or the thing that you want to do, it already exists. You're already doing it. You just have to become a vib vibrational match for that version of yourself. Now, let's kind of take it in some more... Uh, physical terms, I guess, versus, you know, that could, th that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> that's the end of the podcast loves uh, right there. You just have to link up with the vibration done. No. Um, let me give you a couple of like physical tips on this. So getting clear on your goals is important because you need to know what you're actually aspiring after. What do you see yourself as? How do you see yourself? What do you do? What do you want to accomplish? Um, and the biggest thing that you can actually start doing, and this is where we're also going to get a little bit more on personal basis with me is getting clear on your why. And I've talked about this before, like I said, and getting clear on your why is the most important thing you will do because I'm going to be real with y'all. 
So many of us, myself included, fall prey to this sometimes, but I've done, I think, a really good job at kind of changing that reality for myself. So many of us are so attached to our social identity, and we're not actually attached to our personal identity. And the social identity, what I mean when I say that is we do things because we think we have to do them or because somebody will appreciate it if we do them. Instead of asking yourself, do I actually want to do this thing? Is this good for me? Or is it good because somebody else told me it was good? So let's take the example of waking up early. Do you actually want to be a morning person? What do you think that's going to accomplish for you? Do you get the same amount of work done going to bed later and getting up later? What do you, why do you want to do that? Do you actually feel like waking up, excuse me, at 530 in the morning every day is going to make you a better person? Or did somebody tell you that the early bird gets the worm and, oh my God, the day is half over, now it's ruined, now I can't get anything done, and so that's what you believe? Like, that's what I'm saying. You really have to ask yourself, why? Is it because it looks good on paper? It looks good in a video? Does it, or is it something you actually desire? And especially when it comes to like, even like your body, your physical body, why isn't the body you have today good enough? Why isn't that good enough exactly where you are right now? Who told you that you have to be this idealized version of beauty that is thin to be accepted? You don't. So, but then it kind of comes into like, you know, is this how you see yourself? Do you see yourself looking differently? Do you see yourself in a different um just in a different light. There's nothing wrong with wanting to become attractive for yourself. I put that in huge quotes. You can't see the video if you're listening to the podcast because thin does not equal attractive and thin also does not equal healthy. Let me, as a Ralph Smart would say, slow motion this side. Excuse me? No, thin does not equal healthy. Thin does not equal healthy. This is actually the biggest lie that our society tells us. Weight is not a good measure of health. It really isn't. It's honestly a way that most of us in society use to judge each other. And it doesn't actually indicate health. It doesn't. Blood tests are going to be so much better and give you a much clearer understanding of what you've got going on in your body. Your weight honestly is not a reflection of your health. You can be working out every day, killing it in the gym, eating the right foods, the right foods. I say quotes around that too. And you could still be what you consider to be overweight for yourself. Do you see what I'm saying? So we really need to break this idea that thin equals healthy because it doesn't. But getting clear on your why. So let's take this idea of thin, right? Or I don't even like that word. I don't like thin. I don't like the word skinny. I don't really like the word healthy. But how you see yourself being the most attractive you can be for yourself or has somebody conditioned you to believe that you will never be loved if you look the way you do right now? Or you will never receive A, B, and C if you look the way you do right now? Or is it 
wow, I really want to get out there and kill it because I want to be strong for myself. I want to improve my health. I want to improve the longevity of my lifespan. Do you see what I'm saying? Or I want to set, I don't think it's wrong to want to set the example for other people. Like I don't think it's wrong to pursue your health goals because you want to inspire people around you to do the same. I think that's an acceptable goal, but I don't think it can be your only reason why. You cannot do these things for other people. And this kind of leads me into my own story of people pleasing. And I've talked about this a lot in my last episode where I talked about manifesting love and how I was really considered growing up to be like the good kid in my family. I was the one that was the easiest. At least that's what I was always told. And I got to tell you something. If a parent describes their child as easy, that should be a red flag to your ears because what that actually means is they have put their own identity aside more often than not and they have fragmented themselves to fit into the idealized version that the parent has created for them. And many people do this. I'm not saying this to shame my own parents. I definitely was a product of that. I definitely did not have my own personality, my own way of doing things or being. I followed the path that was laid out before me. And I don't think that that's so wrong. Some people like to follow in their parents' footsteps and be that way. But for me, in my adult life, I've had to come to understand that so much of my early on conditioning revolved around constantly pleasing my mother specifically. And I've had to learn, like, what do I actually believe? What do I actually stand for? What do I actually want in my life and why? You know, my values used to be so different when I was younger. I had a lot of religious values that I no longer carry at all. And I also had just a lot of strange values about life that are very indicative of the older generation, you know, the 2.5 kids, the car, the house, and there's nothing wrong if those are the things that you desire for your life. But for me, my idealized life is no kids traveling the world, living in as many different places as I can living the laptop lifestyle. That's like the dream that I am manifesting into reality is more travel, living in different places. Like I want to do more, not with kids alongside me. Now, if you had asked me that when I was 16 years old, I would have told you at 19, I wanted to be a mom just like my mom. So, um, When that comes to like people pleasing, though, it runs deeper than just like the values of my life. I honestly, there were so many times where I would do things even when I really didn't want to do them. I can honestly tell you, and I'm sorry that I always bring it back to religion. I never want somebody who is religious to listen to the things that I say and feel like you're not welcome on my channel or on my podcast. I just had a lot of religious I have a, I had a big religious upbringing that I no longer participate in and I feel like I can confidently say I will never be that person again because I just I, frankly I just know too much <laughs> and that's not a knock on people that are Mormon or are religious I think if it makes you the best version of you that you can be in this lifetime then that's awesome it's perfect for you and like do that but for myself The people pleasing ran so different because there were so many things that I would do. I can honestly tell you in my adult life, looking back and reflecting, there was never, ever, ever, 
ever a time where I was happy to go to church ever as a kid. I absolutely would tiptoe around my parents' house in the morning and peek in and see if my mom was up for church because if she wasn't going, that meant the rest of us weren't going. And I would be like, yes, Sunday achieved. Um, there was never a time in my life where I've ever been like ecstatic to go to church, but I would do it and do it without complaining because that was what was expected of me. And I don't necessarily regret that. I guess, because I feel like it made my life at home easier in a lot of ways when I just didn't really fight it. Whereas I had other siblings that did fight it a little harder and I felt like their lives were harder growing up than mine was. But <clears throat> it's not even just that. There was also like seminary is this thing, if you didn't know, uh, if you grew up Mormon or you know about Mormonism, then you might know. But seminary is this thing where in school, you if you don't live in the state of Utah, which I did not, I grew up in Southern California, um, in the states in well, no, sorry, in California, at least seminary was from something insane, like six in the morning until seven in the morning, every Monday through Friday. Um, you would have to get up way before school to go and like church study basically for an hour every morning. And they took it very seriously. Like you would graduate from seminary. Um, there was like attendance roles. Like it was a very serious thing. <laughs> and I laugh because this was something that I just always did because it made my mother very happy. And she really wanted to see me graduate from seminary because I don't think anybody in my family did. Maybe one of my siblings did, but I don't think anybody in my family really did. So actually, I don't think anybody did. But that was like important for her to see one of her kids, I guess, accomplish that. And I didn't. My junior year, I completely dropped out. Um... But I would go because I knew it made her happy. And my people pleasing, I feel like, runs mostly the deepest with my mother because we had such a close connection when I was younger. And honestly, most of my, like, early adult life, like, 18 to, like, 22, 23, I definitely lived my life under that lens of what is going to make my mother the most proud of me. And it actually wasn't until I civilly married my now husband, who is such a fantastic person and truly the love of my life. It wasn't until then that I feel like I really started to realize, like, I don't have to live my life like this. I can live my life under my own terms. And I know, like, 22 and you just figured that out? <laughs> Most people figure that out a lot younger, I feel like. And I wasn't living next to my family either. And so I feel like that was when I really started to get clear on, like, why do I think my only job is to be a mom? Why am I in an English program for school when that's not what I want to do? Actually, at 22, I think I was in culinary school, maybe. If I wasn't in culinary school, then it was film school. I went through like three different majors, which I could do a whole other episode on that because it is so appropriate to change your major multiple times. And if I had a nickel for every time somebody gave me shit for changing my major... I would be rich at this point. Um, it is so normal if you are somebody that is going through the college experience to change what you want to do. And it's not a decision that should be taken lightly. But 
getting clear on my whys didn't really start until then. I had to kind of go through this huge deep dive and really learn how to separate my consciousness from my mother's consciousness. And this is something I probably could spend a lot of time talking about because it was such a emotional and difficult process to do that. Um, because I had this mentality that I needed to be seen as a good person. And to me, you know, our parents, they are like the first people that, for the most part, not everyone, they are the first people for the most part that teach us like what gets you accepted and what grants you access to their love. And so me being me, this highly sensitive empath that I am, I was always really good at putting my mother's feelings before mine. And that was something I did into my early 20s. And even when it came to like drinking or making any kind of decision that was my life decision for the future, I always kind of took her opinion into account first. And it wasn't until then that I was like, well, why am I living? Why am I doing this? Am I? And I, it was like this huge wake up call that was like, oh, you totally live like for your mother's approval and you have to stop doing that. And don't get me wrong. I do think in a lot of ways, um, without going too deep here, it did, it did kind of ruin the relationship that I had with my mom, but I don't think it necessarily ruined it because the relationship wasn't built on two people being their own people. The relationship was built on me just catering constantly to this person's idealization of who I should be. And so I wouldn't say that it ruined it, like ruined a relationship that wasn't really real. And in my adult life, my mother and I are not as close and it sucks, but ultimately I'm living my best life. And that's the truth. I live where I want to live. I do what I want to do. I work how I want to work. I see the people that I want to see. I talk to the people that I want to talk to. And everybody else, I just don't. And I feel like getting clear on your whys, this is really important to me with people in general. And that's why I'm giving such huge chunks of my personal story in here, where I'm talking about just the conditioning alone of how I interacted with people. And I will say this, I do think I maybe am not even always the best person to ask because I'm kind of rigid. I am very like fixed Taurus about who I will interact with and who I won't and who I will let into my circle and who I won't. And mostly it comes from a lifetime of being put into a box by some people. And when I finally freed myself and figured out what my purpose for living even was, what I wanted to do and who I was or who I am rather, it got easier to push people aside and just kind of do my own thing and let the people that truly love and accept me for who I am flourish and grow those relationships and kind of throw the rest to the wayside, whether they're family or not. And some people might really disagree with that mentality because to some people, family is forever and family is family and you just do this because family. But I'm here to tell you something. Um, it literally doesn't mean anything. <laughs> And I could probably do an entire episode just talking about how skewed the world's perception of family is because I don't run my life by that ideology at all. I don't put 
family up in this like box that's like, oh, you are my most prized and I will do anything for you. Now, that doesn't mean don't love your family. It doesn't mean don't talk to them. It doesn't mean don't like them. But when you start to get clear on why you're living and why you're really doing something. Now, I know we talked about like going to bed early and we're getting really far off, but we'll bring it back. Um, when you really get to the core of why you do things, you have to put the opinions of other people aside or you're not going to get anywhere. And because you have to literally ask yourself, what is your divine truth? And you might find that it doesn't really align with anything you've ever been taught. For me, my biggest divine truth, as I like to call it, is freedom. And I think everybody to a degree wants freedom, but I require it more than anything else. I need to be able to go and do as I please, drop my phone and run away. Um, I need to have complete autonomy of myself and my time. If I feel suffocated or pushed to do something or I'm made to do something that I don't want to do, I will never stop telling you. Like, it does not work with me. And I've discovered that that's something that's just highly important to me. And some people have other divine truths that don't align with that. So for me, finding my why is a lot easier now that I've accepted that. Now that I've said, I don't really care what society thinks. I don't really care what my family thinks. I don't really care what people that I let their opinions shape or I let prior their opinions of me shape who I was for so long. I've gotten to a point where it's not that I don't care. Like I never want to hurt people or hurt people's feelings. And I do my best to not let that happen. But also I can't control how other people feel and neither can you. So getting clear on your why, even if it isn't what you expected, even if it's that, like I need complete autonomy or um, just getting really clear on what you've kind of been conditioned to believe you should do and what you actually want. Like, is your version of success living in a mansion up on a hill, having millions of dollars and having like eight cars and two kids? And, you know, is that your version of success or is that the version of success that has been spoon fed to you that that's what you're supposed to aspire to be? Or is your version of success living in a shack in the middle of the woods, growing your own food and like living as a hermit away from the world? Like what is your idealized life and why do you want to do it? You know, the why is really important. The why, I hope that made sense. So the why is extremely important to changing your life because you can't do it for anybody else. You can't make decisions for anybody else. You can't decide you're going to live your life a certain way because somebody told you that they would withdraw their love from you if you didn't. You can't, you can't do that. You cannot do that because when you finally get the thing that you think you wanted, trust me when I tell you, you will never feel more lonely, more upset, and more disappointed. When you actually get clear on why you're doing something and then you get there, it will be so much more fulfilling because it is so aligned with who you are as a person. So the next thing to do once you're clear on the why is to start making a plan. Do you want to write a book? Is that like your next big goal? Then start setting aside time at least every week, I would say, to write. Like block out two or three hours a week to write. Or maybe you do 30 minutes a day right in the morning. Or however you want to do it, break it up into smaller things because this really kind of brings us into neuroplasticity. 
Um, and I actually have a prop here for you. I will link this book down below for you. Um, if you're watching the video, I have a prop. Um, this is Brain Over Binge by Katherine Hansen. And even if you don't struggle with any kind of like food addiction, this book was fantastic because it actually talks a lot about neuroscience. And neuroscience and neuropathways are basically the pathways in your brain that are created that they are created when you form a habit. And the more you continuously do this habit, the deeper and more like available this pathway is in your brain. And the more you start to change it, it takes time. Like you're not going to, to do something one day and then tomorrow just completely change the structure of your brain. It doesn't work like that. You actually have to do this over time and slowly start to carve out this new idealized version of yourself. And neuropathways, like I said, they mainly just make up like the best way that I feel like it's ever been described. It might have even been described that way in Brain Over Binge. But the best way I've ever heard it described is like, imagine your habit is a marble on top of a sand hill. And at the beginning of every day, maybe the habit is to brush your teeth. Okay. So Every day, this marble starts out at the top of a hill. And when you first start brushing your teeth, you kind of have to nudge that marble yourself down the sandy hill to go one way. And every day, this marble gets dropped at the top of the hill, right? It just magically shows up there. Gets dropped at the top of the hill. And the first several times, you kind of have to nudge it down. But eventually, when you start to do something extremely consistently, the marble will appear there and just start falling in the correct direction that you want it to go. So that's kind of the mentality you need to have. And this is real shit. Like I'm talking about science here. Like this is real. Your brain actually operates this way. So in order to create something new, it's really important that A, you have some level of accountability and consistency and B, you have to stop beating yourself up when it doesn't work. You let me repeat that one more time. You have to stop beating yourself up when it doesn't work. Because maybe you have a habit that is so ingrained into your, uh, you have like such an ingrained neuro pathway. It's going to take time. You're going to have to push that marble up the hill and back down the other side for a while before it actually starts to go the other way. So just stop beating yourself up. And the last thing I really want to talk about is something we talk about a lot here. And that is to just keep the small promises. Make the steps that you're planning so easy that it's a no-brainer to keep the promise to yourself. Maybe going to bed early is your goal. I like using this one because I think it's the thing that a lot of us struggle with. Um, I, my, I myself am included in that. <laughs> um, I, for myself... I used to be like, oh, in order to go to bed early, I need to like have a really structured nighttime routine, right? So I need to like read an hour before bed, turn off all my screens. I need to make sure I'm showered and my teeth are brushed and like 80 freaking things to like get myself into bed and be comfortable, right? Put my lavender oil on, all this stuff. And so I would get so frustrated when it wouldn't work. I would do like my 80 things and then get in bed and then be awake until four o'clock in the morning and be like, oh my God, why is this not working? And then I would get mad and I would just give up. But what I have actually found that works better for me as an example here is 
that I just, I finally said enough is enough. I'm going to take it one thing at a time. And so currently I'm working on this now and I say no screens in bed. It's real hard for me. I'm not going to lie. I get the heebie-jeebies a lot at night. I'm kind of a scared sleeper for some reason, even though my husband is right next to me in bed. I tend to sleep really light and I get scared very easily. And it's, I can't even explain that. Like I, I genuinely am someone that is like afraid of the dark. <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. But I, so instead of saying no electronics in bed, I have just started keeping my phone out of the bedroom. I still have my iPad so I can still like watch Netflix in bed if I want to, but that's a start. I haven't brought my phone to bed in weeks because that's something that I was able to break myself of. And I actually feel like it really did help me. Yes, I still have a screen in bed with me right now. Eventually I will be phasing that out too, but not having my phone, I feel like I have no anxiety when I go to bed anymore because previously I would be on Twitter scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and seeing all this news and being so freaked out. Um, I would be getting text messages or phone calls. I would be spending all this time engaging with other people or just engaging with the news, which I don't even like to do. And it would just, I would just be such a huge ball of anxiety. I wouldn't go to bed until four maybe even six o'clock in the morning. So even just removing one thing and starting out really slow, I've already gotten my bedtime down to like 2 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. So it's definitely better. It's not perfect. I'm working on it. I'm keeping those small promises, the small promise of not taking my phone to bed. And that's really helped me. So just Make it easy for yourself. Don't make it so hard. Don't feel like I have to do all of these things. I'm going to change every single habit that I've ever done wrong in one day because it's not going to work like that. But you can do it. You can do it. I promise. Because that you, that version of you already exists. And even if you've had the conscious thought to make that change, that means that that version of you already exists. So I love you all so, so much. I hope this helped you out today and I will catch you next week for another episode. All right. Bye. If you felt seen, heard, and understood by today's episode, please remember that this podcast is designed from a YouTube channel. Most, if not all of the episodes are actually audio from sit-down videos of mine on my YouTube channel that I have linked down below. Over there, you will find videos that range from tarot, these sit-down chats, and everything else that I believe will light you up from the inside out. This, my social media handles, and so much more are listed in the show notes below. Please never forget that when you stand up in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. I'll talk to you all next week. Mm -hmm.